I thank you. What a blessing to have the Word of God. Let's uh, think about that verse, and there are several good verses in that chapter, but uh, remind you of one of the verses there that uh, we saw in the midst of that, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. And what a joy it is to have that goodly heritage. I want to say we have thoroughly enjoyed the day. Thank you, Pastor, for allowing us to be a part of not only this day, but this great month. You have had an exciting month of teaching and preaching on the home and the family and marriage and many principles about that, good Sunday school lessons that have complimented some of your guest preachers, and I got to uh, go back and watch and listen. You know, I have a lot of concerns about social media. I have a lot of criticism at times about all that's out there, but I am thoroughly grateful that we can be able to watch services and uh, hear other men of God preach. That's a good tool, uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, you've got to be careful. Obviously, you want to hear people that are preaching the Word of God and preaching it right, but I was blessed. I got to hear the men, and I knew all the preachers that were preaching for you this month, but, man, I was excited as I listened, and I got, you know, I just got fed, and I don't know uh, about others, but, uh, you know, I preach quite often, but I need to be preached to. And I suspect everybody needs to be preached to. And it's just good for us to not only to give out, but it's good for us to take in and receive the Word of God. So thank you for all your kindness. Just a joy to be here. And uh, we're certainly excited about what God's doing. Love your building. I, I was in the first building a long, long time ago. Just, uh, I mean, I don't even know how long ago it was, Brother Tommy, but... Now to be in here and see what God's doing, it's exciting. We're thankful for that. And glad I got to spend time with your dad and mom. Of course, Brother Tom Miss Paula are very dear to our hearts, and we're excited we got to spend some time with them and uh, talked them into following us on down to Missouri for a few days if they don't change their mind. So we're going to uh, snag them for a few more days and go down. Our son's having a meeting at his church in Arnold, Missouri. I started to tell you this morning we stopped at that church for our honeymoon. Who would have ever dreamed that some 42 years later, our son would become the pastor of that very church where we sang at on our honeymoon? And now they're in a new location, same church, Arnold Baptist Tabernacle. This year, the church will celebrate its 50th anniversary. So it's pretty exciting to see what God has done. And uh, he said, the lines are falling unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. In Psalm chapter 61 and verse 5, just want to read a couple other verses. Psalm 61 and verse number 5, the Bible said this, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. You know, I have a goodly heritage because I have the heritage of those that fear the name of the Lord. I'm grateful for the heritage that I have. Psalm 119 and verse 111, one other verse I'll read right now. We'll look at some others in a moment. If you want to, go to Deuteronomy 6. We'll take a few verses out of there in just a moment. But the Bible said this in verse 111, Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. A goodly heritage has to be built upon the Word of God, and therefore it can become not only a goodly heritage, but a godly heritage. And just a few things I want to mention tonight, and I will try to be brief. I've been trying for years to be brief, and I might succeed tonight. You never know. It could happen. My wife has a lot of doubt about it, and others may doubt it. I am going to lay my phone out here just so I know what time it is. 
so that you won't get nervous about me going too long. But anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's look here in just a moment at uh, Deuteronomy 6. But let me just point out, first of all, the reminder of our goodly heritage. I uh, just want to mention, as I said this morning, the Father, according to the Bible, is the head of the home. Well, there's a lot of people that mock that, make fun of it, ridicule it, criticize it. But you know, the Word of God has settled that matter. Uh, as we said this morning, Dad, your leadership is very essential in the home. And uh, then the mother, we talked about her being the heart of the home. And uh, oh, what a difference a godly mother can make in the home. Children are the hope of the home. The Bible said, as we read this morning, Psalm 127, verse 3, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord. Let me just say this. Uh, we must be careful. And I know it wouldn't happen here, but I, I've sometimes been dismayed at some of the things people have said and even what they have uh, you know, talked about children. Uh, I don't know about you, but I despise uh, those uh, T-shirts that people wear that says, uh, pointing to an uh, expectant mother, our little accident. There are no accidents with God. I just want you to understand, children are a heritage of love. They're a gift from God. And thank God for the goodly heritage. And, you know, there are people that would love to have a large family or just have a child and haven't been able to have a child. And my heart goes out to them. But there are people that have children, as it's been said, out in our world today that have no idea why they have children. But you and I that are saved, Malachi said that God uh, brought a man and a woman together, of course, talking about those that follow God, uh, that he might uh, seek a godly seed. You know, it does make a difference. God just doesn't want us to have children just for the sake of having children. He wants us to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and uh, make a difference for the generations to come. And so children are the hope of the home. Now, the reality is, my dad uh, was raised in a Christian home. He got away from the Lord as a young man, went into the uh, service during World War II, and uh, kind of drifted spiritually. And, and as a matter of fact, when he got out of the war and then came home, met my mother, and they got married, he was very confused about his salvation. He had gotten saved when he was 12, but just really wasn't really settled and finally got the assurance of his salvation. But in between, there were some things that he did that he wished he had never done. Uh, one time, this is very honry of me, I think, I think Pastor Tom Sr. may have helped me with this, but uh, I had my dad come to preach revival in his hometown where I was pastoring at that time. And so I made a fake flyer. You know what a fake flyer is, not the real deal. But anyway, but my dad thought we had made multitudes of these and passed them out to the community. Because he grew up there as a boy, on that flyer I had a picture of my dad from days before he served the Lord. He didn't even know I owned the picture. My dad's standing there with with his arm around one of his brothers here and one of his brothers there, and he had a, had a pipe in his hand uh, that was uh, you know, smoke going up from it. And uh, I said, some of you might remember Virgil Graham when he looked like this. And then I had a picture of him, how he looked now as a preacher. And I said, he's going to be preaching revival, had the whole deal. And my dad saw that he was devastated. He said, where did you get that picture I said, I got it from Grandma. I never wanted you to see anything like that. I never wanted you to ever see any of my past. And, and uh, I said, oh, Dad, we passed them out everywhere because, you know, we just thought people would want to come, some of your old schoolmates and stuff. He said, I'm not coming. I'll tear every one of them up. I don't want anybody to uh, see that part of my life. And, of course, then I finally let him know it was just a joke. We were, uh, you know, being honorary. But I never knew my dad in any of those things. That was long before uh, 
uh, us children came along. My dad got right with the Lord and served God. He laid some restrictions down and some standards down and some goals down. And you know what my dad wanted? He wanted his children to avoid that pitfall of a period in our life where we strayed from the Lord. Now, by the way, if a young person goes astray, we don't give up on them, we pray for them. But what he was trying to do was set some guards and some parameters to keep me from making some of the choices he made. My dad got involved in gambling. Can I tell you tonight, I don't know the first thing about gambling. I have no idea. When I was a kid, my dad hated gambling so bad... We were not allowed to have cards in the house. I remember when I was still in public school as a, as a child, they had Christmas exchange, and my gift was a package of old made cards. I told the teacher, I said, you might as well keep these. I can't take them to my house. She said, that's old made. That's not like gambling cards. It'll be all right. I said, you don't know my dad. I said, if he ever finds out you use flashcards here in school, I'll probably get a spanking. If it's shaped like a card, as far as he's concerned, it was evil. And I know that might seem extreme. But you've got to understand, I, I've never been tempted. I mean, never been tempted to gamble. I've never had any interest in playing the lottery, never had any interest in going out and, you know, rolling dice to try to win. I, I don't even understand that stuff. It means zero to me. But you know what? He wanted to make sure that didn't happen in my life. But then when Miss Graham and I started having children, I remembered some of the things that maybe I did that probably if my parents had known, I'd have got one more good whipping before I left the house. So, and by the way, let me just say this. Two good kids, two godly kids, running together unsupervised can get in trouble. So it's good to keep track of what's going on in their life. So we got a little more concerned, a little more careful, a little more uh, maybe set some things up that, you know, might have been even stronger. Why? Because we want our children to do better than we did. We want them to do better spiritually. We want them to do better uh, in every area of life. And so as a result of that, we want to build a goodly heritage. And and I'm thankful for the heritage I have. But, But I understand the importance of it. The reminder is that children are the hope of the home. We want our children to do better. And then let me say great. Grandparents, which I am very thankful to be a grandparent, 20 times over. Wow. They range in age from, I think, 21 down to soon going to be two. And man, it's exciting. Time for more. But anyway, I love grandchildren. They're such a blessing, and I thank God for them. But they are, as grandparents, we are the heritage of the home. And let me just say something by way of introduction to the grandparents. I'll get to the rest of my message. But let me give you five things. If you're a grandparent tonight, make note of this. If you're not a grandparent but think someday you will be, make note of this. Five quick things to pass on to your grandchildren. Number one, teach them how to develop a walk with God. Some of the sweetest memories that I have for my children, especially the older ones, was while my dad was still well enough to spend time in prayer and Bible reading with them. The older children recognize and remember a little bit about my dad before his health broke. Can I tell you something? Teach them how to develop a genuine walk with God. Not just, well, I go to church, isn't that good enough? I mean a real walk with God where you read your Bible, where you pray, where you actually try to live in front of them the Christian life. Uh, Grandparents, teach them how to develop a walk with God. Let me say secondly, teach them how to deal with adversity and setbacks. 
Your influence can be tremendous in your grandchildren's life. And I'm not talking about you hoarding and, and ruling over them. Listen, grandparents, we're there to be a compliment to the parents. We're not there to try to uh, go around the parents. I've known some grandparents who have said to their grandchildren, I know your mom and dad don't want you to do this, but while you're with me, it'll be okay. No, no, listen, we need to compliment them. We need to come together and be on the same uh, team, not trying to undermine what their parents are teaching them, but teach them how to deal with adversity. You know, sometimes things don't always go our way. It's good for us every once in a while to recognize there's going to be some adversity in life. There's going to be some setbacks. There's going to be some disappointments. It's not about throwing a temper tantrum and always getting your way. Teach them that. Then number three, teach them how to distribute with generosity. Teach your, teach your grandchildren how to be givers. Set the example. Now, I'm not just talking about giving at church. Have a giving heart. Now, I'm not talking about throwing money out the window. I'm not talking about foolishness in, in, in how you handle your money. But teach them the spirit of generosity, thinking of others above yourself. I'm moving quickly because I want to get to my next big point. Number four, teach them how to display a happy spirit. How many of you in here are grandparents already? Hold your hand up. I'm not going to get on to you. How many of you? And you're getting ready to have the very first grandchild. Isn't that exciting? I mean, can you imagine anything more thrilling? I mean, you have your children, you think, oh, they can't get any better than this. And then you find out a grandbaby's on the way. It's like, oh, man, this is wonderful. But can I tell you something? There is nothing on planet Earth worse than a grouchy, grumpy, old person. <laughs> you can't just, yeah, yeah, you know, so grouchy. Now, it's not wrong to get on to them, and not every once in a while you're gonna, they're going to wear you out. I understand that. But man, have a happy spirit. You know, display a happy spirit. Did you know attitudes are contagious? You know, you know the old saying, and I know it's a worldly saying, but if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Can I tell you something? If grandma and grandpa ain't happy, it has an effect on everybody else. If, uh, if you get a bad attitude, now, I don't have to let your attitude affect me, but do understand this, that children are often affected more quickly by the attitudes. Matter of fact, God in Deuteronomy chapter 20 said that some men couldn't go out to battle if they were cowards because he didn't want their brother's heart to faint also. Attitudes are contagious. Man, if you've got a bad attitude, the worst thing you can do is share it with everybody. He said, but Brother Graham, I've had such a bad day and I feel sorry with my, for myself. Can I tell you the worst thing on planet Earth is somebody going to a pity party? Because you're going to find not very many people want to attend it with you. And if they do show up, they're not going to stay long. Somebody say amen. Teach them how to have a happy spirit. That doesn't mean you've got to go around with a fake phony smile. But listen, it's good to be happy. It's good to be joyful. You know, we used to sing a song decades ago that said, if you're happy, notify your face. Take that frown off. Put a smile in its place. If you love Jesus, then show it to the human race. If you're happy, notify your face. Now listen, I understand that, you know, we can't always go around with a big smile and everything. But you know, God's people ought to be the happiest people on planet Earth. We're going to live as long as God lives. I'm telling you, if you're saved as a grandparent, guard your attitude. And then let me say, lastly, under that point. Not lastly, lastly. No, no, I'll get you there in a moment. Or maybe several moments. Teach them how to die with grace and dignity. I know some people don't ever want their children exposed to the reality of death, but can I tell you, it's appointed unto men once to die. 
Now, I'm not a morbid person, but you know, I've never tried to hide the reality from our children that death does take place. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, uh, when my mother, my dad, of course, died of Alzheimer's, he was, uh, because of that, a lot of complications as far as his communication towards the end of his life. But, you know, uh, it was so amazing. We had a whole room where the family could come and gather and stay. And, and uh, man, we sang, we, uh, you know, we fellowshiped, we cried, and we'd rejoice. And then somebody would sing another song. And it was a wonderful experience that lasted for a few days until Dad went home to be at the Lord. Now, listen, I miss my dad. I can't tell you how much Brother Tom and I have talked about over the years how we'd like to call him one more time and you know get his counsel or get his advice or just visit with him. I, I love my dad. I still like to listen to sermons of him preaching that are recorded from yesteryear. And I thank God for that heritage. My mother, who battled cancer two different times in her life, my mother kept her mind right up until the end. But she spent the last, last 11 days of her life, I mean, just... You know, really, there was nothing they could do, and we knew that death was coming. And, uh, man, I've got video of some of the grandchildren, just little bitty, coming in and singing songs of Grandma. And, man, what a blessing to have that goodly heritage. And listen, uh, teach them how to die with grace and dignity. Listen, I'm going to heaven. When I die, if I happen to be, you know, where my family can be there, and should God let me go by the way of death... I don't want to go, dear friend, like there's no hope on the horizon. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm a child of God. Teach them how to die with grace and dignity. Well, we see the reminder of the goodly heritage, but that it's simply the family. All these different parts work together to build a strong, goodly heritage. We had a lady visit our church, and I'll move on to point two in just a moment. She came to our church one Sunday morning and sat over here towards the back of the church and uh, we were still in our old building. And, and uh, anyway, as she was sitting there at the end of the service, after I'd preached and we were coming to the end of the service, I said something that sometimes preachers will say. You know, sometimes we'll say if all hearts and minds are clear, or if no one needs to say anything else, we'll be dismissed in prayer. And I don't know why we do that because, you know, you never know. Somebody may want to say something that you don't want to hear. But anyway, and uh, I said if anybody needs to say anything before we dismiss in prayer, and this visiting lady raised her hand. Well, as a pastor, I get a little nervous when a first-time visitor that nobody in the church knows lifts their hand and says, hey, I want to say something. I'm thinking, oh, no. She's going to tell me she's got a new revelation for the church. <laughs> she's going to start speaking an unknown tongue. you know. But she said, I, I'd like to say a word, Pastor. I don't know who your bus workers are. But she said, I live in Connecticut. And she said, I have a son that lives in your community. My son is a drug addict. She said, I've witnessed to him over the years, but he has refused to listen. And she said, I've been so burdened for him, but also for his children. She said, my son has two children. She said, I finally got my son to agree to let them come and visit me in Connecticut for the summer for a few weeks. She said, after they got in and we got settled down and, of course, made sure they had everything they needed, she said, I decided I'm going to sit down and open my Bible and show my two grandchildren how to be saved. She said, I started sharing the gospel with them. And she said, before I could finish, they both spoke up and said, Grandma, we're already saved. She said, what? Yes, we're already saved. 
We got saved at Victory Baptist Church. As a matter of fact, we ride the bus there and Dad let us get baptized at Victory Baptist Church. We already know we're going to heaven when we die. And by now, of course, tears are rolling down our cheeks and bus workers in the auditorium are bawling. And she said, I don't know who your bus workers are, Pastor Graham, but I've come from Connecticut to say thank you for reaching my grandchildren with the gospel. Can I tell you, what a blessing. Her son may have been uninterested, but thank God she was determined to have an influence to make a goodly heritage out of her grandchildren. Oh, how precious. By the way, she's been back a couple times. Those kids are grown now and, uh, and given some nice gifts to keep the buses rolling because she believed in what we were doing. I'm just simply saying we see the reminder. But then notice the resource for building a, 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 a godly and goodly heritage. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is a great chapter. I won't read the whole chapter, but man, it's good. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God, verse 1, commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither ye go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that the days may be prolonged. And he goes on to say, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that thou, that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And uh, these words uh, which I command thee this day uh, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children... Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. I'll stop reading there for just a moment. Let me say this. God is very interested in helping us to build a goodly heritage. What is the resource for it? It's the Word of God. Now, I'm not against reading good, godly Christian books. I love to listen to good sermons. I told you, I've listened to the preachers that preach to you. You've heard some good, helpful stuff this week to help you strengthen. And by the way, many of you that are here, you've been sitting under your pastor, you know some of these very key elements, and you might be saying, Brother Graham, we've heard all this before. But it is great for us to be reminded that the greatest resource for having a goodly heritage is found in the Word of God. The Bible is the best tool, mom and dad, to help us as parents. Fellas, the Bible is the best tool to help you be the right kind of husband, ma'am, to be the right kind of wife, children to be the right kind of children. And so we find the placement of God's Word. He said, I want you to tell the children of Israel uh, to make their focus upon my Word. He said, I want it on the hands. Now, we think about our hands. That's what we work with. In other words, God is saying, whatever you do in your life, let it be guided by the Word of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with children dreaming. When our children were growing up, some of our children, uh, the boys, had surrendered to preach in, you know, in their youth. And uh, yet, as they were growing up as boys, uh, it seemed like they were constantly changing what they wanted to do with their life. Our son, Ben, was going to be a basketball player. I mean, he knew the NBA would want him someday. 
among other things. Uh, they were going to be firefighters. They were going to be policemen. Uh, they were, they were, uh, Brother Brian was going to be a rancher out in Wyoming or Montana and raising cattle. That was his dream as a young man. Now, every single one of them would talk about, you know, different things they wanted to do. I mean, they were cowboys. I mean, they, they were, uh, they were, uh, you know, different, uh, policemen and firemen and all these other things and, and, uh, probably, uh, ninjas and everything else growing up. And uh, they were going to do it all. But what I would tell my children every single time, they'd say, Dad, I think I want to be a fireman. I never said, oh, don't be a fireman. That's a bad thing. No, no, we need firemen. What I said to them was the most important thing is to find the will of God and do it. If God calls you to preach, then do it with all your might. If God puts you in a different field, you follow the will of God, the mind and heart of God. That's the most important thing. But I would say whatever work we do, it ought to be done as a child of God. And by the way, if my hands are surrendered to the will of God, if my hands are saturated with the Word of God, I'm not going to spend my life doing something that dishonors God. So he said, get it on your hands. Then he said, not only that, he said to get it on your hands. He he said that you also need to get it on your head. Now, I know we can kind of laugh about these people that, you know, uh, think that they're doing something spiritual by putting a piece of the Word of God on their head. But I think God's trying to aim at something very special special for us. Go, if you would, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 for just a moment. Uh, How important it is that the Word of God fill our hearts and our minds. We need God's Word not only in our hand, but we need it in our head and in our heart. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and uh, verse number 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know the way to get your young people, and by the way, to get yourself over and uh, through the temptations that come, is get filled with the Word of God. And and please don't misunderstand what I'm going to say. He said to have it on your hands, have it on your head, have it on your house. He said to put it on the post in verse number 8. In other words, if I came to your home tonight, would there be anything in your home that would immediately reflect this is a Christian home? Now, I'm not saying that there needs to be 3,765 verses of Scripture hung in your house. But there ought to be something in your house that radiates in every room I'm in a Christian home. This is a place where believers live. And can I say, I'm a strong believer. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I believe having family devotions is a wonderful thing. But can I tell you, God doesn't just want you to dedicate 10 minutes of the day and call that your job of raising your children. We're supposed to talk about the things of God when we get up in the morning. As we walk through life. Now, by the way, so Brother Graham, I'm interested in other things besides the Bible. Our family, now if you're not into this, don't be offended. We're hunters. We like to hunt. And we like to fish. say, well, you're carnal. Okay, well, I am. But I like to hunt and fish. And I like like hunting much better than fishing. But I like it. And uh, now for the last few years, I'm more of a hunting guide that I am a hunter because I've got grandchildren, and so I've got to make sure that they get opportunities to hunt. And, and all of our children, 
uh, grew up hunting, and uh, the boys and the girls. My wife has taken up hunting in the last few years, and I'm very excited about that. And, uh, man, that just thrills my heart. You say, well, I just don't think a lady ought to hunt. Well, don't. But in case I don't succeed, I need meat on the table. So anyway, and uh, she got her first deer. Very first deer was a buck, and she put a picture out and said, the children are grown, it's my turn. But anyway, but, but what I'm getting at is whatever your recreation is, whatever your activity is, it's still an opportunity to talk about the things of God. We've used our time together, whether it's recreational, whether it's uh, activities, whether it's mealtime, whether it's just fun. And by the way, you can laugh and enjoy life, but it's exciting to me when our children get together to hear them reminisce about life lessons that they learned as we walked by the way. And listen, it is important that we surround our hearts and our homes and our, our very lives with the Word of God. You see, the power of God's Word to make a difference in your family is irrefutable. Somebody said, Brother Graham, I just don't want to know what to do. And they'll bring up some circumstance and you'll immediately say, well, let's see what the Bible says. And quite often I've had people say, well, I know what the Bible says. Well, wait a minute. If you're not going to do what the Bible says, I can't help you. I can give you all kinds of advice and counsel, but if you're not going to listen to the Word of God, I don't know how to help you. Well, I want a goodly heritage. I want, I want well-behaved children, but I don't want to take the time to read my Bible to them. I don't want to take the time to have prayer with them. I don't want to have to take time and to be with them. I, I've had parents ask us the question, how in the world could you stand them all the time? I, I don't understand that. Man, what are you talking about? Sure, there's times when it's challenging. Our first five were like stair steps. I mean, they were like stair steps. And we were just so grateful. I told you this morning, after the doctor didn't think we'd have any, here they came. And I mean, we had them, uh, those five like stair steps. And then five years went by and God didn't give us any more. And we're like, well, thank the Lord for five children. And then Blaine showed up. And then 18 months later, Brianna showed up. We said, wow, God's given us seven children. God's been so good. And then five years went by and no more children. And then here's Brene, the baby. And you realize... She's only three years older than our first grandchild. And man, I'm thinking, Lord, I'm, I'm getting on up there. But can I tell you something? I wouldn't trade any of them for anything this world had to offer. What a joy it is. And listen, there's nothing more exciting than to have one of your children call you and say, hey, I was reading my Bible. I just want to make sure I'm understanding this verse correctly. Or I just want to ask your thoughts on this verse. Or, Dad, what do you think about this? Man, it excites my heart. Listen, Mom and Dad, our children are not... They're not just something to disdain. They're something to delight in. We often get asked questions, of Brother Graham, what did you uh, or what did your parents do to reach your heart? And what can I do to reach my uh, children's heart? Can I quickly say, anybody that answers the question about how they've succeeded in raising their children, if they don't begin by saying, well, first of all, I have to say it's the Lord. Folks, long before I can give you any ideals of my own, I'll tell you, it's the Lord. He gets all the credit. And listen, I thank God for my wife. I thank God for a committed heart. But oh, how we need to depend upon Him and His Word. It will be the guidebook for raising our children. Then what's the results of the goodly heritage? Well, we offered our children the guidance that's needed in their life. And uh, the Bible said, train up a child in the way he should go. Now, how should I do that? Well, let me say this. Very quickly, enclose them in prayer. Do you pray for your children? Did you know in Job chapter 1 and verse number 5, let's look at that verse real quick. Job chapter 1 and verse number 5, 
great, great verse of Scripture. Job, of course, uh, what a man of character he was. Job uh, chapter 1 and verse number 5. Job chapter 1 and verse number 5. The Bible said this. This is, of course, before his trial and temptation and testing that he went through. Verse 5 said, And it was so, when the days of their feasting were gone about. He's talking about his children. The Bible said uh, that Job sinned and sacrificed uh, or sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my son, uh, my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job, look at that word, continually. Job was praying for his children on a regular basis. Mom and Dad, it's okay to pray when the crisis comes, but can I tell you something? We could avoid a lot of crisis if we had prayed beforehand. Pray over your children. So, well, I don't know what to pray for for my children. Let me just say, pray for their salvation. Start praying from the time God gives you a child. Lord, I pray that when this child realizes and recognizes their need of salvation, Lord, I want to say, pray about their schooling. And you say, well, Brother Graham, we homeschool. Can I tell you something, Mom? Let's just be honest, Dad. Sometimes that can be challenging. And some children have particular needs. And sometimes there are challenges that come. Pray about their schooling. Listen, there's a whole lot of evil influence out there trying to educate our children. Let's pray very diligently for their training and their education. Can I say this? Pray, pray about their spirit. And I'll tell you what. There, there's such a challenge sometimes. You know, we want them to have, you know, um, the spirit and will to stand up for the right things. We have eight children, three of them were strong-willed. And when I say strong, I mean S-T-R-O-N-G-willed. And, uh, and you say, well, Brother Graham, what would you do? Well, I prayed. But we also had to deal with some things. And sometimes it took a long time. I mean, literally, hours of dealing with one situation that led to the uh, willingness for them to surrender that will. Can I tell you something? God can take a strong-willed child and channel them in a direction that they could make a great difference for the cause of Christ. But you've got to be willing to put the effort and the energy into it. Can I just say, pray for their spirit. Pray for their spouse. So You mean when they're babies? Oh, yes. And I'll tell you, pray over who God has for them. Now, Look, when I say pray for their spouse, begin to pray while they're young. God, when that time comes, please give guidance, direction. Man, it's such an important area. If they're outside of salvation, the biggest decision your children will make is marriage. Don't you do like some parents. I know parents that spend hours or even days helping their son find the right car and won't spend five minutes giving counsel on how to find the will of God in a wife. That's the biggest decision. And can I just tell you? Cars come and go. When Miss Graham and I got married, I owned three vehicles. I had a Spirit of America Nova. I had a Grand Torino with the beautiful vented hood. It was nice. And I owned a Plymouth Fury. Years later, I went shopping for a van. My associate pastor said, Brother Graham, you really like vans, don't you? I said, no, actually, I don't. I like sports cars. But it's pretty tough to get a wife and eight kids in a sports car. Just being honest with you. So a van is more practical. Somebody say amen. So the reality is, pray about who they marry. Pray for their steadfastness. Oh, listen, we must 
bathe our children in prayer. And then let me say, expose them to preaching. Good preaching helps our children. Let them hear the Word of God. And listen, Mom and Dad, when the preacher says something uh, and that you know is needful in your home, don't get mad at the preacher. Go home and try to implement it in your family's life. We had a family moved to our church many years ago. He was a young Christian. And after they'd been in church for a little while, he said to his family one day at the dinner table, you know, Brother Graham, he preaches and has some, he called them standards, convictions. He said that I've never heard before. He said, but I know this, he's a man of God. And if he preaches that, he surely has verses for it. And he said, I know in time we're going to get all that figured out. But for now, let's just go ahead and follow his lead and try to incorporate in our family the things that he's teaching and preaching till we get it all figured out. Now, that didn't mean that I wasn't getting scriptures, but you know, sometimes a young Christian, everything's kind of like, whoa, it's all new. But what an attitude. What a spirit to have instead of, I don't know who he thinks he is. I don't know what they're talking Why not have an attitude to say, Lord, help me to see your truth so that I can implement it in my home. And the goal that is noticed when you bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, your children will honor you. A man came by my house one day many, many years ago. My boys were little. Ben, Brian, and Brad were outside. He came to buy, I think, a mule or a horse that I was selling at that time. He was an older man in his 70s, and we looked over the animal, made the deal, and got it loaded in his trailer. And when he finished, he started talking to my boys. It was the first time I met him. We became dear friends after this. But he looked at my boys. He said, boys, do you know who I am? And they said, no. He said, well, he said, you've probably seen me before. He said, have you ever been to the parade in town and seen that man that rides that big old cow? They were like, yeah. He said, that's me. I broke that cow to ride. That thing was a monster. And he had ride it in the parade every year. And he said, I'm still breaking and training horses. I still work cattle. And he said, I think he was in his mid-70s at that time. And he's looking at my boys. He said, do you know how that I'm still able to do all that stuff at my age? And their eyes are this big. No, sir. He said, because when I was a little boy, I obeyed my mom and dad. And he said, and then as I got older, he said, after I moved out on my own, he said, I didn't have to obey my parents in the sense that I didn't live at home. But he said, I honored them. And he said, now my mom and dad have been in heaven for a long time. And he said, boys, I honor their memory. He said, so if you boys want to have a good long life, you better obey your mom and dad. And you better honor your mom and dad when you get grown up. Man, they're just looking at him like, oh man, we're not going to be bad again because we want to live to be old. But anyway, it was so precious. And we became dear friends. He lived to be like 96. I went to see him one day. I said, Mr. Baxley, you're looking good. He said, well, thank you, preacher. It never was my looks that bothered me. It's my feet that are killing me. But anyway, he was a great influence for my children. But here's what he was saying to them. I honor my parents. You want to get your children to honor you? Put the Word of God paramount in your home and you'll see them honor you. Mom and Dad, what a great opportunity. I'd love to go on, but our our time is limited. Nobody's put me on a time limit. But I want to tell you something. There's no greater joy. John said them to hear that my children walk in truth. 
to have your children honor you, love you, respect you, and desire to be a blessing to you, mom and dad, down the road of life. You might think it's tough and hard and challenging right now, and others in the world might say, oh, let up a little bit. It's not going to hurt. And, you know, some people are going to think you're too restrictive. But I want to tell you something. Just remember what happened to Eli's boys. You just say, look, I'm not going to lose mine to the world. And you're just going to have to trust me that I've got your best interest. There'll come a day when your children will honor and respect you and thank God for your godly influence. Father, we love you tonight. To think of our children honoring us, what a, what a blessing it would be. But only, Lord, if we honor you can we see our children truly honor us as we desire for them to. I pray that you would just help us to take these truths, apply them to our hearts, Lord, whatever you see fit. And I... There may be somebody here tonight that's lost. I pray you'll challenge them to get saved. And then believers would just seek your face. Lord, let us not just hear the words, but Lord, let us apply them to our heart and life. We'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.